Well, how are we doing this morning, Sailorville Church? <clears throat> Feeling good? Daylight savings time. If you can explain that in a way that I can understand, I will give you one million dollars. <clears throat> My name is Pastor Jason. I'm really, really glad to be with you here this morning. I had the opportunity to speak here just two weeks ago in our series in the book of James called Keeping It Real. And today we are jumping back into chapter one after taking last week off for our missions conference. And how awesome was that missions conference? If you were here, yes. Amen. Lots of great opportunities to hear from some of our amazing missionaries, especially the ones that were here for our conference, to really consider what God might have us do uh, as a church and as individuals when it comes to making disciples here locally in the Des Moines metro, right here in our Sailorville, Ankeny community, and then globally around the world because we are part of this world as well. One of my highlights from the missions conference was uh, Sunday night's missionary Christmas. Were you here for that? If, uh, if you don't know what that is, it's a really fun tradition that we have here at Sailorville uh, where we just go nuts giving our missionaries gifts and then we awkwardly watch them as they open up the gifts in front of us. Uh, it's just an amazing tradition. I love it, love it, love it. I was joking around with my parents actually who were church planting missionaries in South Africa for several years. Uh, just this last week we were talking about this. I was thinking back to some of the things that people gave us when we were missionaries. <laughs> And friends, I am not joking you when I tell you that we got everything from used tea bags. Now think about that. They had to send the tea bags overseas. They were used. We got foil wrappers from Hershey Kisses. Not the chocolate itself, just the wrappers. Someone actually ate the chocolate and then flattened out the foil and put it in a Ziploc bag. And you thought, you know, I could throw this out. But that seems like a waste. You know who could really use a hundred tiny pieces of shiny paper that smell like milk chocolate? The missionaries! <laughs> sacrificing their lives in the jungles of Africa. But this is not how we do things at Sailorville Church, is it? <laughs> you folks love our missionaries. I mean, we are practically throwing Apple products at these folks. You get an iPad, you get an iPad, you get an iPad. They're opening up laptops and backpacks, brand new clothes, kids' toys, gift cards. Listen, as a missionary kid, I got half-used pencils with bite marks in them. <laughs> they had been chewed, and instead of throwing them away, they put them in a box and sent them to the missionaries in Africa. I'm not bitter. <laughs> I promise I'm not. I was thinking about this whole thing this last week, and I asked myself, why, why do we love our missionaries so much? Why do we love them? Because we do love them, right? I mean, missionaries come through here, and we treat them like royalty. You need a house to live in? Great. We've got two of them. You need a car? We've got a minivan. Drive it. We love to bless these people. And I thought to myself, that's good. We should love our missionaries, but why do we love our missionaries so much? And here's what I came up with. It's, re it's really very simple. We love our missionaries because... They are obedient because they're obedient. We look up to them because they're doing the hard work in hard places because they are and have responded to the commands that God gave them. See, they heard God's call and they obeyed, right? And here's our connection to this series, Keeping It Real in the book of James. Very simply, God blesses those who receive and respond to the truth. God blesses those who receive and then respond to the truth. So this is a biblical idea, right? 
In fact, it's right in line with what we've been seeing over these last several weeks in this series. Two weeks ago, we walked through five ways to prepare your heart before you open up your Bible, before you hear truth. Right out of James chapter 1, verses 19, 20, and 21. We talked about being quick to hear right out of that passage. So we're going to open our ears, right? Being slow to speak. Some of you need that one like I need that one. Let's not interrupt God. We talked about being slow to anger, either that bitter resentment, long-term cold, icy anger, or even the volcanic explosive anger. Be slow to anger. And then put away sin, and then welcome the truth like you're welcoming a visitor on your doorstep. Now look, I know several of you have been doing these things because you've sent me pictures of your empty vacuum bags. So I know this has been happening. Some of you even told me that your wife also won't let you talk to her early in the morning. So I know these things are happening in your life. And some of you have actually adopted these five practices we talked about two weeks ago, and you've seen God show you some amazing things when you've been ready to receive the truth of his word, God's word, the Bible, scripture itself. But receiving the word isn't the whole story, right? It doesn't end there. Being ready to welcome God's word is actually just part one. So hearing from God, that's important, and we, and we have to start there. We need to be ready to listen to the Lord when he speaks through the Bible or through a sermon or through a podcast or through a friend who points out where you might be just a little off when it comes to the Bible. But that's not where James leaves us. And so today we're looking at what could be part two of the message from a few weeks ago. And in God's divine planning, he allowed me the privilege of being able to share this with you, these back-to-back passages two weeks ago and then today. So grab your Bibles, grab your uh, device. If you've got a Bible app, we'll also have it on the screen behind us. We're going to watch how James continues his really practical instruction in these next few verses right here in chapter 1. And so you've already prepared your heart to welcome the truth. Some of you, even on your way in this morning, were doing this. You've opened up the Bible, and now you're ready to receive what God has for you. And so the question is now, now what? Now what do we do? And James answers that in verse 22. Watch this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I'll read that again. This this is the key verse in all of the book of James and one of the key passages in all of Scripture. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And then James gives us an illustration, a story of what this might look like. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who intently looks at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once he forgets what he was like. He forgets what he saw in the mirror. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, that's James's phrase for the Bible, God's truth, and, and this one perseveres, not being a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So, it's almost as if James is anticipating that we read the previous passage about how important it is to hear the truth, and then we say, okay, James, I've heard the truth, I've listened carefully, I've received it, I've welcomed it into my life, so I'm good, right? I mean, that's it. And he says, not so fast, because hearing is good. And you got to start there, but that's not where you end. So he follows it up right away with, when it comes to the truth, don't just hear it, you got to do it, right there in our passage. 
And this passage really sets up a contrast between two different responses to God's word. So we're going to look at these two different responses and then see that illustration that James uses to help us personalize what he's really getting at. And so if you're here this morning, you're listening online, you're looking for a, maybe a title or a summary statement, a big idea here, it might be something like this, ready to respond, ready to respond, hearing and obeying God's word, hearing and obeying God's word. Okay, so let's start by taking a look at these two contrasting responses right here from the Bible in verse 22. They're translated basically to hear or the hearer and to do or the doer. They come up all throughout this passage and then later on in the book of James and really all through scripture as well. So what's James really getting at here with these two words? Okay, we'll start with the hearer, the one that hears only. We're going to start there because we talked a bunch last, a couple weeks ago about being quick to hear God's word, and it really has to come first in the order of these two responses. And so James says, don't be someone who only hears the truth. Don't be a hearer only. And the key there is that they only hear the word, that they don't act on it, right? We catch that. They only hear the word. They don't act on it. So reading or memorizing or studying the Bible, those are good things, and we should be doing them. But James says that if that's where it ends, then we're in trouble. And so we're used to this. I, I used this little phrase when I was a youth pastor several years ago, and it's still a good reminder today. See if you've heard something like this. The Bible wasn't just written for our information but for our transformation through its application. Youth pastors love stuff like this because it rhymes, right? We're just simple people. We say it's for the teenagers, but it's for us. The Bible wasn't written only for our information, just knowledge, but for our transformation that we might be changed. And how are we changed? By applying, by practicing God's word. So in other words, you can know the Bible inside and out. You can study it every single day if you want. You can listen to a sermon on Sunday, and another sermon next Sunday, another sermon the Sunday after that. But if you're just filling your head with more knowledge and it's not changing your life, then you're short-circuiting God's purpose in giving you His Word. In fact, the word that's translated hearer here in verse 22 carries this idea of being an auditor. <laughs> this is not someone that looks at your taxes, right? That's one kind of auditor. And this is the kind that takes a class without getting credit for it. So maybe you've heard of this or have you even done it yourself. You're flipping through the DMACC catalog online and you see a class that you'd love to take. It looks like great curriculum. The schedule fits with your schedule. You're really interested in learning more about the subject, but, and here's the kicker, you don't want to do any work. You want the content without the accountability, right? The experience without the exams. And so you audit the class. You sit in the classroom and you hear the lectures, but you're never tested on how you respond to the information. Catch that? You're auditing a class. I so appreciated Lucas Baer, our missionary to Brazil, his message last weekend on Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. It's a passage we sometimes call the Great Commission. Lucas made several strong statements during the message, and, and some of them overlap with what James is talking about here in our passage today. And at one point, Lucas said this, most of us don't need to learn one more theological fact for the rest of our lives. The problem is our learning has greatly outpaced our obedience. Whoa. Some of you were really bothered by that. And I think I know why. That we have good theological. We've got more teaching at our fingertips today than at any time in all of history. 
You can watch great messages. You can read solid authors. You can study all kinds of biblical passages and principles. You've got free access to libraries and libraries of good Christian commentaries. You've got preaching and teaching and Bible studies in small groups. There's modules and workshops. And I think somewhere in the metro, there's still a Christian bookstore. Remember those? See, biblical knowledge is everywhere, but even with all of that available, friends, look around. Marriages are still failing. Families are still breaking. Christians are still compromising and giving into temptation every single day. And yet we've got more immediate access to information about how to live as a Christian than we've ever had before. And I know what that sounds like to some of you. It sounds like I'm saying we don't think teaching, that I don't think teaching is important and that I don't think we need good, solid, biblical information or that we shouldn't pursue learning. Now, please, don't get up and run out of here saying that we don't think Bible knowledge is important. Go back and read the passage from two weeks ago. Listen to that sermon again. Remember, James just told us to welcome God's truth, hear God's truth, welcome it into our lives with open arms. But here's where some of you are at this morning, I think. You're auditing God's word. You're just auditing God's word. Maybe you're opening up the Bible and you're adding facts to your brain and you're walking away unchanged. In fact, you might be auditing this sermon right now. You're sitting there passively in an audience listening to a speaker, but you don't really expect to do anything with what you hear. But oh my goodness, it feels great to be in church on Sunday morning. Now hold up just a second, Pastor. I am here, aren't I? I listen to Christian radio sometimes too. I get the verse of the day on my phone. Sometimes I even copy and paste and send it to a bunch of people, and at times I even read it. I'm in a study group where we read what someone else says about the Bible every single week. And I get all the blanks filled in in my workbook every time we meet. Wow. See, none of these things is inherently wrong, but if we're not being changed to be more like Jesus, then that's not okay. And if I can humbly suggest to some of you here this morning, what you need is not more information, but more transformation. Stop auditing God's word. Stop auditing God's word. And so James says, just hearing the truth isn't enough. You need to obey be a doer. This is where he talks about the doer. We've got the hearer, and now we've got the doer. Be a doer of the word, James says. And why wouldn't he say that? He's just given us this whole section on how to prepare our hearts to hear, to receive the truth. And if that's where it ended, what would be the point? Because we all know this. Hearing without doing isn't obeying. Hearing without doing isn't obeying. There's an old story I remembered this last week about a father who asked his daughter to clean her room while he left the house so he could run a couple errands. Now, he was really specific in what he told her to do. He said, honey, clean your room by the time I get back home. And so he goes away and he comes back a little while later and he asks his daughter, did you clean your room? And she says, well, here's the thing, dad. Now, some of you have had conversations that started like that. Dad, I heard you say clean your room, and believe me, I am willing to do that. And so I got online and I googled, what does it look like to clean your room? And then I pictured my room in my mind and I thought about all the ways it would be different if I cleaned it. In fact, I invited a bunch of my friends over, we talked about what each of us thought it meant to clean my room. 
I went on YouTube and researched a bunch of professional room cleaners. I came up with a plan and I wrote it in a special cleaning journal that I bought. I even looked up the phrase, clean your room in the Greek and Hebrew languages. Dad, I'm even memorizing clean your room in the King James Version. Thou shalt clean thine room. I definitely heard you say clean your room. Aren't you happy with me, Dad? And the dad responds with this simple question, right? You know it. But honey, did you actually clean your room? Friends, hearing without doing just isn't obeying. It's not. And so the doer is someone whose life is characterized by action, by doing, by responding. This is the person who has received the truth and now does the work of responding to that truth. And so James says, yeah, be quick to hear the truth. Spend time in your Bibles. Listen carefully when a friend confronts you in love and pay attention on Sunday morning and during other teaching times. But hearing only is not enough. And here's how this shows up in my life and maybe yours too. There are times that I walk away from a Sunday sermon and I think, oh my goodness, that was powerful. Woo, great message. Just the right combination of encouragement and conviction, right? That's the way we love it. Really, really good information. I know exactly what God wants me to do with what I just heard. And I get home and I'm running this direction and that direction and the work week starts and my schedule and my mind and my heart and my life gets filled with other things and by the time next Sunday comes around, I'm like, boy, last, message, last week's message sure was a good one. I don't really remember it and I didn't do anything to change, but I do remember it was really powerful. I don't know if you've ever done this, probably not. But sometimes I've heard a great truth and then I've walked away without letting it truly change me. Not just move me, but change me. And now this is the problem. I've let myself believe that God is going to bless that. I've, I've fooled myself into thinking that God is pleased when I simply audit the truth. When I hear the truth and I stop short of obeying the truth. And that's exactly what James means when he says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only. What's the last phrase? deceiving yourself. That hurts, doesn't it? See, hearing without doing isn't obeying. And if you're allowing yourself to slip into a lifestyle where you think that you're pleasing God by gaining more and more Bible information without actually applying that information, James says you're lying to yourself. Truth without transformation isn't total obedience. A life that pleases God is one that hears and obeys. You simply cannot separate those two, hearing and obeying, and still grow in your Christian faith. God's not pleased with that. And this is maybe stepping on toes a little bit here this morning because some of you have been church, in church since day one, or you're in like 13 Bible studies every single week, and you make your kids memorize verses, and it hasn't made a bit of difference in your life. But you think you're good with God because you know the Bible. And James says, unless you are doing the Bible, you're lying to yourself. Now, this is maybe a little bit hard to swallow for James' original readers, who were all Jewish people. They took pride in the fact that they knew the Old Testament really, really well. And so James gives them a little parable, an illustration to help them personalize this whole idea. And it's helpful for us today, too, I think. 
We already read the illustration in verse 23, 24, and 25, so I'll just summarize it this way. He starts with the hearer. He says, the hearer, this is the person who hears the truth and then doesn't do it. Now watch this. This is, this is, this is someone who wakes up in the morning, put yourself in this situation, maybe even just a couple hours ago, <laughs> wakes up in the morning, walks into the bathroom, looks at himself in a mirror. And by the way, I'm using... I'm using he and him because that's the word here, it's man, and also because a woman would never do this stuff, right? He walks into the bathroom, looks at himself, sees that his hair is a mess, he's got drool on his face, he's got sleepy things in the corner of his eyes, maybe a little bit of last night's dinner in his beard somewhere, right? And then he walks away without changing anything. I told you a woman would never do that. In fact, by the time he's at work, he's forgotten what he looked like in the mirror, and so when his boss meets him in the office and he says, uh, hey, buddy, you got a little something, something on your... The guy's like, uh, I looked in the mirror. Isn't that good enough? He's deceived himself. He's seen the truth, but he hasn't responded to the truth. He saw exactly what needed to change, and he walked away forgetting. Now, on the other hand, there's the doer. This is the illustration. This guy actually does, does the same routine. He wakes up in the morning, looks at himself in the mirror. He's got the same bedhead, drool lines, boogers in his eyes, all over his face. He's got food stains everywhere. It's the same, same as the other guy, right? And what does he do? He does what every single one of us would do. He fixes his face. He makes the changes because that's what normal people do. When they see that what they really look like in the mirror, they make adjustments. And so when this guy gets to work, he meets his boss, and his boss is like, boy, you look great this morning. Here's a raise. <laughs> he gets blessed. It's a great illustration because it's just so plain ridiculous, right? What kind of person would look in a mirror and see something that desperately needs to be changed and then walk away without making those changes? What kind of person would do that? person like me. I would. And maybe a person like you. Because every time we open the Bible or hear the truth, it's like we're looking in a mirror. This is the parable. Because the truth reveals to us who we really are. And how many of us walk away from that sermon, that community group meeting, or we close our Bibles after we've read them by ourselves and, and we don't make any changes. We hear the truth, but we don't act on the truth. We think it's good enough, but we're missing the blessing, friends. The blessing is in the obedience. I stood in the back of our gym last Sunday night watching all of our missionaries open up their gifts as we closed that fantastic missions weekend. I couldn't help asking myself, what is it about these people that makes us admire them so much? Why are they like heroes to us? What's so different about them? And here's what I came up with. It's really simple. They obey. They obey. They hear the truth and they respond. They're looking in the mirror and they're actually making changes. And some of those changes, friends, haven't been easy. You heard those stories from them. And they're not perfect people, right? That's not what anybody is saying here this morning. But they didn't stop at hearing. They obeyed. And I wonder, what has God been showing you in the mirror 
of his word during this series in the book of James or maybe in your own personal quiet time? Is he telling you to be more joyful in trials? Oh my goodness, you've got plenty of those, don't you? Maybe he's telling you to be more generous, to invest your resources for eternity, or maybe to focus on serving others more than yourself, or to ask forgiveness from that person that you hurt, or maybe you just need to surrender your life and say, Lord, here I am, send me. Or maybe you're hearing this today, and you just need to give your life to God once and for all. Stop playing the religion game. Stop hearing the truth without obeying the truth. My friend, going to church when you were a kid isn't going to get you into heaven when you die. Admit you're a sinner, that you need Jesus to rescue you, and lay yourself at his feet. He died for you. He rose for you, and he's waiting for you with open arms this morning. We heard last weekend that there are still over one 0.5 billion, billion with a B, unreached people in the world. These are humans that don't have access to a full copy of the Bible. That's one in five people that are alive right now on this globe don't have a copy of the Bible. That's the equivalent of about two or three people in your row this morning as you look down to your right and to your left. But here's the thing about that stat. None of us in this room are listening to this fit into that category, that unreached category, right? Because we all have the truth, even at our fingertips. And most of us have read it, heard it, studied it from time to time, but the question is this very simply, what have you done with the truth? What have you done with the truth? In just a few moments, we're going to celebrate what we call the Lord's table or communion. It's a time for Christ followers, for Christians, for believers, those who are saved, to remember what God did for us when he sent his only son so that whoever believes in him, in Jesus Christ, might have eternal life through his death and resurrection. It's a celebration because without Christ's sinless life and his sacrificial death, there would be no gospel. That's the good news, and so we celebrate what Jesus did for us. But it's also a serious time, right? Because the two different elements, these symbols of communion, through them we're reminded of how sinful we really are and how all of us who have sinned and we fall desperately short of the glory of God, God's standard of perfection. And so while there's nothing magical or supernatural about the cracker and the juice, communion is an opportunity to confess our sin. And maybe this morning there's a specific truth that God has shown you that you just haven't obeyed. You've heard it, you just haven't done it. Or maybe you've looked in the mirror of the Bible and you're refusing to make a change. And you're walking away forgetting what you even look like. Or maybe you've realized this morning that you're a great hearer, but you need to be a great doer also. Hearing without doing is disobeying. Maybe you need to confess that today. And so while the music plays, in just a couple seconds here, I'm going to ask you to take a few moments to talk to the Lord. And then if you're a genuine Christ follower here this morning, you can make your way to one of these tables. There's several up front, in the back as well. You're going to pick up both the cracker and the juice in two tiny little cups in the same sort of package. When you sit back down, we'll get a few more instructions about how to participate, celebrate, remember communion together. Before we do that, 
Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, the opportunity this morning to be hearers of your word first. And now, Lord, I pray that you would help us be doers of your word, not just as we walk away from this place, not just this week, but even beginning now. If there's something we need to confess, if there's something that we need to repent of, if there's a person we need to talk to before we take communion, Lord, I pray that we would be doers, that we would obey that. If you're telling us to do something right now, that we wouldn't wait, that we would respond. Lord, we tell our kids sometimes, slow obedience is no obedience. Help us to respond right away to the truth that you've made clear, maybe even this morning. Lord, we thank you. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.